Welcome to On Texas Football. I'm Bobby Burton, your host, joined by Justin Wells of InsideTexas.com. Uh, Justin and I are going to do a little roundup this morning, uh, afternoon, so everybody can get a, a chance to hear what all's going on on the 40 acres over the weekend, as well as what's due up later today and tomorrow as well. Steve Sarkeesian goes to the podium uh, today and talks about the Longhorns. We'll be talking a little bit about that later today as well. But first, we want to get going on some things that happened over the weekend. Uh, you talked uh, with uh, Terry Bussey over the weekend, the uh, wide receiver DB out, out of uh, East Texas there, Justin. What is the latest on his recruitment? Are the Longhorns really in this? Because I got the sense that Texas was not very in it early in the, the recruitment. Has that changed at all? I think it's changed a little. Texas is making incremental process, uh, 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 <laughs> incremental success. Um, Chris Jackson and Steve Sarkeesian are still, you know, building a relationship with Terry. They're still, they're still calling him and talking to him multiple times a week. Um, but I do think Texas is catching up, is trying to play catch up at this point. I, I, A&M had been the leader for a, for a good margin. LSU is the one that, that people need to watch. They're creeping up quickly. He's going to be at LSU one of the first weekends uh, of September for a game. Uh, he's going to be at Alabama the second week uh, for the Texas game. And then he told me that there's a possibility he could be in Austin for week three uh, when Texas plays Wyoming. Now, that's going to be your tell. That's going to be the tell for us, Bobby, because if Texas beats Alabama and Tuscaloosa in front of Bussy, that next weekend – he has two options. He can go see Texas and Wyoming, or he can go see a home game at AM. The game he chooses that week three, I think, is the indicator of where he's probably leaning closest. He's getting closer to a decision, still thinking probably midseason, but Texas is still throwing hands, and that, therefore we're going to continue to, to cover him. Got it. I want to talk to you a little bit more about some other recruiting stuff as well, but we need to talk about uh, the scrimmage. Uh, to Bussy, of course, from uh, Timpson in East Texas. Uh, the the thing that I want to mention here about the scrimmage, Justin, we all hear different things, right? Wow. Uh, that's part of what, what makes Inside Texas Inside Texas. Uh, and so my question to you on this would be really pretty simple, okay? okay. How do you see um, what you heard and view what you heard from the scrimmage based on all of our feedback that you know of? Because we have an internal group chat that goes on talk about what you heard personally and then what you grasp from us as a whole yeah um this scrimmage the thing about this scrimmage I felt like we all kind of heard very similar similar things which sometimes that's the case and sometimes we hear three or four different angles <laughs> three or four different stories I think with this one the collective was the defense kind of Kind of, kind of came out on top again. It was similar to this first scrimmage. Defense started well. The offense kind of finished strong. It was kind of similar to this. Um, again, the the best thing that we could all confirm was was the lack of of major injuries. Uh, I I can't <laughs> emphasize that more than in college scrimmages in August and preseason football in the NFL. If you can get through those games, those are considered wins. And I love that we had all kind of heard. I think on the same page about, hey, you know what? Texas came out of this a little unscathed. Jalen Catalan got some run on Saturday. I wasn't expecting that. I didn't learn that till yesterday, Bobby. He got some run in the secondary. They took that green jersey off to, 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 to let Mr. Catalan do some popping 
but right now, I, I think the collective for all of us, Bobby, is the defense might be a little bit ahead, but man, there's some battles at different positions. This group is going to be really deep, and I am I'm we're 12 days away, and the, the eagerness is building for me, man. I've got some uh, questions on specific players, but first I want to say thank you uh, to our sponsor. Each and every roundup uh, on Monday is brought to you by uh, Keller Williams Realty, Laura Baker. Uh, She is the person you want to talk to if you have a chance to move to Austin, from Austin, or within Austin in the area. Uh, Reach out to her at 512-784-0505 or at laura at andyallenteam.com. She's a good friend of the program. Uh, we trust her, and she has got uh, so many five-star reviews. It's not funny, but to reach out and talk to Laura Baker, a realtor for Keller, Keller Williams, Laura at Andy Allen Team for all your needs in and around Austin. Hey, Justin, the, the, th- the thing I wanted to ask you, we've been talking about Alfred Collins almost ad nauseum, right? Comes up a lot, Bobby. Yeah, exactly. So what are you hearing behind the scenes that, makes you think that this may be different because we heard about him last year, year before last saw him against Colorado in the Alamo bowl. And we all thought, Oh wow, what's going to happen with this guy? What is there something that makes you think this is different or do you think it's a house of cards? I mean, what, what are your thoughts there? I think there's something different. I think some players develop at different levels. I think some do it younger. Some do it midway through their college career. Some peak later and wind up having productive NFL careers. Every player's different. And, and Bobby, you and I talk about this. It's like every recruitment back backstory is different. Alfred Collins' story, his, his book hasn't been written yet. It's being written, and it looks like he may be a little bit of a, a later bloomer than, than anticipated. He flashed early, like you said, as a freshman. He was a borderline five-star that came in with 30, 40 different offers. Uh, you know, tremendous athleticism, great on the basketball court. Mother was a, a great athlete. And so we saw that coming. We just only saw it in flashes. We didn't see it consistently. And I think Sarkey has, has talked about this a little bit more in the last few pressers about finding those guys that make plays but do it on a consistent basis, guys they can rely on. Maybe Alfred Collins took a few years for it to figure out, for it to, for it to click, for it to because he's always been a hard worker. He's always been a guy that shows up, does his job. He's a great attitude guy, great program guy. Just sometimes it takes a little bit more. And maybe them mixing him or moving him around, giving him a little bit more each practice has brought more of that out, more of that animal out. And the fact, listen, nothing's going to make a defensive lineman happier than getting to a quarterback. And if Alfred Collins has found a niche and a path to get to that quarterback, this defensive line is not only better, but we're going to see Alfred Collins turn into the NFL prospect we thought he'd be over the last few years. Hey, let's go to the offensive line next, because this is where something that you're reporting that is just a tad bit different than most people. Okay, you're reporting heavily that that the left guard spot is still up for grabs in some ways uh, because Cole Hudson's working over there as well. Um, and Hayden Connor, Neto, Miozulu, all of those guys, Hudson also working at center. We believe right guard right now is probably DJ Campbell with, with Cole Hudson running second team. So explain to me what you think Texas is doing right now with the guard center spot as we, we, we're literally whittling down to 12 days away until Texas plays Rice. So the coaches have to make a decision at some level. And I think they have 
to, 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 your, to your point, uh, I really do. I think that second scrimmage tells us a lot about where they're going to go because now it's install and rice planning and Alabama planning, which they were already doing. They were already doing a little bit of that anyway. Um, I don't know what the battle's looking like at left guard. I know that Hayden Connor would probably be your first day, your, your day one starter. Jake Majors is going to be your starter at center and DJ Campbell is going to be your starter at right guard. What I do know is that Cole Hudson would probably be the backup for all three of those spots on the interior. Kyle Flood knows they got six guys that can roll out there at any time and, and, and not skip a beat. And I think Cole Hudson has turned into this middle reliever, uh, you know, you know the, the, the middle reliever that has to spot starter sometimes, you know, in the rotation when, when a guy maybe go gets injured or goes down to the minors. I think Cole is kind of that spot starter kind of guy. They know he can play some left guard. They know he can play center, and, and, and they know he can play right guard. And so I think Connor's got left guard knocked down today. I, I think Jake's not moving from center today, and I think DJ is, is going to be stuck at right guard. Those are going to be your interior starters, in my opinion. But I think throughout the Rice game, you're going to see Cole Hudson playing a couple of those different spots as the rotations change and as the game changes. Tackles are locked down. Kelvin Banks, Christian Jones – those things are locked in. You got, uh, you know, Cameron Williams as your backup right tackle. Trevor Gooseby's actually getting a little bit of run at left tackle. So you kind of know where you're at with tackle. But on the guard, I think it's going to be a Hayden Connor, Jake Majors, DJ Campbell interior. And I think Cole Hudson in a pinch is going to be playing each one of those spots, depending on the game, the situation, things of that sort. Hey, Justin, uh, talk to you about this one next. The two more positions that I want to go over with you in this one. Uh, running back and cornerback, okay? At running back, you and I, I know for a fact, because you and I were trading text messages, we both got almost immediate texts on Cedric Baxter and his workout on Saturday. Uh, what are you hearing behind the scenes? I've, I've expressed that he was just breaking tackles more naturally in this scrimmage, apparently. What, what have you heard? What we're seeing is Cedric Baxter getting a little bit better every practice getting a little more used to the college game, the speed, the urgency, the intensity. It's a lot for an 18-year-old. People think, well, you enrolled early. Well, you're there early. That doesn't mean you learn early. That just means you get a head start. And Baxter is using the most of that. Listen, Jonathan Brooks is going to be your starting running back week one. He's going to get your bulk of carries. He's, he's not a returning starter. He's the next up. He was the backup for Bijan and Rashawn for years, and he always came in when he did come in and played well. He, he's a natural vision, patient type runner, cutback runner. But Cedric Baxter's a different beast. There's a reason he was a five-star. There was a reason every college in the country wanted him, and they kept recruiting him even after he committed to Texas. You know, Deshar Choice did a tremendous job in this recruitment, and now they're working on Baxter. I think they need Baxter this season, Bobby. I, I, think that's I, I big, agree. I agree with that. Big thing for me. I think that's a big thing for this offense. They know what they have in Brooks. They know Jaden Blue's got some great hands and some speed and some flash. They know Keelan Robinson is a one-play guy that can take it to the house. But even Sark mentioned this, I believe, in either the last one or the one before that press conference, where you get a lead, you're going to have to protect it in the fourth quarter, and nobody protects leads in the fourth quarter like running the football. And Brooks is probably capable, but Cedric Baxter is six foot one and a half, 218 pounds. 
He's got some Cedric Benson to his game. He's got some big bodiedness. It, it just seems like every week he feels a little bit better. Each week he's reading his, his blockers a little bit better. Each week he's hitting the hole a little bit quicker. Not to mention this guy can pass block and that in itself will get you on the field as a freshman. Hey, here's, here's something to consider for Texas fans, in my opinion. Who's a tackle breaker at running back? There's only two that I would consider that, really. And I mean a guy that's a rugged runner tackle breaker, not a ankles tackle breaker kind of. And that is Jonathan Brooks and Sed Baxter. You agree with that? Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games. I don't That's know. Keelan Robinson's game now. I, I don't consider Jonathan Brooks a break tackle type of kid. I consider Jonathan Brooks the type of guy nobody ever gets a solid shot on him. Yeah, they get they glance he's moving and he, he knows how to take. So I don't consider him necessarily a, a, a tackle breaker like a Baxter. Baxter's going to be your seven yards after contact type guy, whereas Brooks will be more of six or seven yards falling forward. He's always going to be in the right direction, and he's never – it's like it reminds me of Emmett Smith. No one ever popped Emmett Smith. That's why he lasted so long, because he knew how to take hits at angles. Jonathan Brooks, to me, is more of that style back. Interesting. Interesting. All right. I want to go to cornerback now, okay? Uh, the, the thought there heading into the season was Ryan Watts at, at the boundary corner, Terrence Brooks and or – Gavin Holmes at the field corner, right? Yes, sir. Manny Muhammad has made this a discussion, right? Yeah. His emergence, right? Yeah. Um, the cross-training of both Brooks and Muhammad at boundary corner has made boundary corner a discussion of some some level, right? What What are your thoughts overall? I think these players are going to make Terry Joseph and Blake Gideon make some decisions. I think they're, these guys are doing exactly what you want in the fact that make us play you, make us take you off the field. You know, Kobe Bryant had that mentality. Get, do whatever it takes for them to force you off the court. Whatever you have to do to, to make them look stupid to pull you off the court. These DBs are doing that. They are putting everything into it because they don't want to come off the field. Listen, Ryan Watts is the incumbent, and that's a guy that's probably going to be playing on Sundays for a little while, whether it be a corner nickel or a, or a safety. But Manny Muhammad does not care about Ryan Watts' feelings. He just doesn't. Derek Terrence Brooks, to me, has the most talent of anybody in that quarterback room, and it's already stacking up with talent. Gavin Holmes does not care about Brooks's upside. These are guys that are chomping at the bit. And listen, in the pass-heavy college game these days, you need corners. You need more than two or three corners. You, it, to me, the best Texas secondaries were those in 04, 05, and 06 when you had guys like an Aaron Ross 
that didn't even start that, that, that was that good. I think that's kind of what we're looking at with this secondary. A Manny Muhammad who may not start, but then in two years is up for a Thorpe Award. And so they're just they, – they are making it difficult on these coaches. These coaches said, come, come prepared and be ready to work. That's exactly what these DBs did, and that's what you want. Sark pulled that Pete Carroll page from USC and make competition at every single spot. Those corners are trying their damnedest to make sure Terry Joseph does not pull them off the field. Yeah, I, I think it's interesting because we didn't consider that. Really, you know, we didn't know, we didn't know well, Manny was going to be this good this fast. Let's be completely honest. Nobody did. No, and that makes cross-training and looking at Watts' role on the team more, not question, just, wow, what are they going to do at corner in the end? You know, six games from now, not game one per se, right? But once they get more comfortable and they know Manny Muhammad, if they put him out there, he's not going to bust, Right. You have to get over yeah. that. And what's Manny? You know what Manny's going to do when he plays this year? He's going to make plays. He is <laughs> going to he is going to make it hell to pull that kid off the field. I, I got you. All right, I want to say thanks one more time before I get to our last question here uh, to Laura Baker of Keller Williams Realty. Uh, Laura has been uh, decades of experience in the Austin real estate market. She knows it as well or better than anyone. Uh, so if you're moving to, from, or within uh, the Austin area, Make sure you give Laura a shout uh, at laura at andyallenteam.com or 512-784-0505. That's Laura at Andy Allen Team. She's with Keller Williams and the Andy Allen Team over there uh, in Austin. Hey, let's go back to recruiting to kind of sum up this uh, show, Justin. Uh, the reason I mention that is Jordan Ross, talented defensive end out of uh, Alabama, the Birmingham area, makes his announcement today. You know, what's Texas' situation there? Dominic McKinley looks like he's set for September 1. Uh, DeAndre Carter, uh, it looks like he's going to announce uh, in uh, in uh, late or early September before he makes an official visit. September to 3rd. Yeah, and now we think that means it's probably Auburn yes. for him, but Texas is going to continue recruiting. Anything else going on? Kobe Black, I know you went and saw him last week as well. Uh, you know, that's, you know, Jerry and I talked about this a couple times in like the last 24 hours. Uh, the 2024s, it's 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 getting less and less. You know, Sark likes these classes to start building a little bit earlier. And, and you know, the, the new trend in this is to find your spot in the summertime before the senior year starts. Um, Kobe is it, still one of those that uh, he could happen at any time. You know, he, he'll tell you he wants to kind of take it a little bit more into the season, but – there's a lot of sources around Connolly that indicate that this thing could happen rather quickly. Uh, Texas remains in a really good spot there. A&M pushing hard. And LSU in Ohio State are still chomping at his heels. Um, Ryan Wingo still scheduled to, to, to make his visit uh, a week three in, in, uh, for the Wyoming game when, when the Cowboys come to Austin. Uh, he's another one that, you know, he's maintained. He'd like to decide December, you know, late December, right before signing day. Spoke to a couple sources over the weekend and even on Friday that indicated, you know what, I don't think this one's going to go that long either. So Ryan Wingo could be a guy that you want to be on the lookout for, kind of pay attention to. And then I'm going to throw a 2025 at you because at InsideTexas.com, we're going to have you covered on 2024s, especially the contingencies, the senior evals, the new guys that are going to pop up this season because every year they do. 
but we're also kind of shifting into some 2025 modes because you're going to see a lot of the top 2025 prospects on campus that first month in September. This is their chance now to get to go see games on Saturdays. And those kids really do like to take advantage of that. I'm going to give you one guy, Michael Fasusi, six foot five, 285 pound offensive tackle out of Louisville, high four star on three, four star, going to be one of the top offensive linemen in the, in the state, already one of the top in the country. Got to catch up with Fasusi. Susie yesterday. There's, I'm going to have a standalone story interview from him later today. Texas is in a great spot with one of the top offensive linemen in the state. Fasusi adds a lot of tenacity, a lot of athleticism. He's only getting bigger in his frame. And so I want to add it to note that Texas and Kyle Flood have, have made him a priority. And uh, so if you if you see us talking a little bit more in the 2025s, just understand if the Longhorns are recruiting two years ahead inside Texas is recruiting two years ahead and be sure to catch up on a Michael Fasusi update as well. That's good stuff, Justin. I appreciate it. Uh, looking ahead, what are you up to this week? What uh, it's uh, it's week zero for folks, people that don't know, which in Texas high school football is a ridiculous thing. Yeah. It's a ridiculous kind of thing, but week zero, it, it takes a, a place. They're having an official game as opposed to a, a fake scrimmage, kind of. Uh, they did this. They started this about 20 years ago, uh, but they call it week zero. It's always <laughs> non-conference. Yeah. Uh, which, which ones you going to this week? I'm going to go check out Terry Bussey, like we talked about earlier. I'm going to go kind of get the latest on him. Terry's such a good kid. Uh, he's he, he's at home against Beckville. That's going to be a great game. Beckville has a Texas offer and tailback Jacoby Williams. Uh, he's obviously moved on to, to, to other schools, but that's going to be a good game. I'm curious to see if Bussey plays because, Bobby, he's coming off offseason surgery. I know that really hurt him at the end of track. So I'm curious to kind of get an update on Bussey. And, and like I said, if Texas looks good against Alabama in week two, I wouldn't. And Bussey shows up in Austin week three against Wyoming. That recruitment has made the turn that Texas needs. And then on a Friday, I'm going to go to, to, to out to Lufkin. Check out Tyler Legacy and Lufkin, their first game of the season. For Legacy, it's former Longhorn Bo Trahan. It's his first game as a head coach at Legacy. That's our guy, man, a big fan of Bo. We're going to go check him out. They also have a new DB coach back there named Lee Jackson, former Longview Lobo, former uh, Texas safety and linebacker. Uh, really good dude. Actually, you know, had a little movie career. You know, he played Christian in, in, in Friday Night Lights. And so, we, you know, get to see those guys. But really – Lufkin's got a six foot four, 300 pound defensive tackle, 2025 Zion Williams, Bo Davis and the Texas staff are really high on him. I'd say him and Jordan battle are kind of, are kind of duking it out for the top D line honors in, in the 2025 cycle in state. Got to go check on him. I talked, spoke to him a couple days ago. He is still talking to Texas. He actually told me he could potentially be visiting in the next couple weeks for a Texas game, but nothing set in stone. And so, that's my first two games. We're going to go. We're going to hit Timpson Beckville. We're going to hit Lufkin Tyler Legacy. And then week two, I might be in Waco again for week two. La Vega, Connolly, Kobe Black, Jamarian Vincent, Kiefer Sibley. I'm already planning ahead, Bobby. I'm a planner. <laughs> hey, I think it's fun. Uh, you're staying in East, Te East Texas for week zero. Good for you, Justin. All right. All right. Still going to be driving four hours. Right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's that's the great thing about Texas. You know, you can live in Tyler, but drive two hours north, two hours south. You're still in East Texas. All right. Hey, guys, uh, that's been the, this week's roundup for On Texas Football. Uh, Justin, I appreciate your time. Uh, also, thank our sponsor, Laura Baker of Keller Williams. 
For Justin Wells, I'm Bobby Burton, and we'll see you next time on Texas Football.